Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Off, a Victory Breeze podcast. I'm Lawrence, joined by Chris and Jacob. We're a podcast discussing all things Circuit, Lincoln, Douglas debate, and we publish new episodes eh, whenever we feel like it at this point. Um, it's our 12th episode, and we'll be t- discussing the TOC. Um, and before we discuss the topic, we just wanted to remind our listeners that we have a Google form linked in the description where you can submit feedback or suggestions for future topics. Finally, thanks to Victory Briefs for sponsoring this podcast. Victory Briefs is a summer debate institute and publisher of debate materials, which you can learn more about at victorybriefs.com. All right, we'll discuss some of our core thoughts on the TOC and the way that the lethal autonomous weapons topic played out after this short break. All right, for this episode, we are uh, excited to have a guest on. Our guest is Quentin Clark, who is an assistant coach at the Harker School, as well as an instructor at VBI this summer. So, uh, Quentin, welcome on board. Hi, Lawrence. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I debated for the Harker School for a period of four odd years, uh, did a lot of policy arguments and stuff. And now I, this previous year, I coached the Harker School as an assistant coach. And so I judged a lot of debates over various topics. And I'm really excited to uh, give my thoughts on this last topic about lethal Thomas weapons. Yeah, you have a lot of them. Um, just for those who don't know, uh, Quentin sent us like a two-page bullet-pointed document with all of his thoughts on the topic, um, whereas Nails and Tyson, I usually roll into these podcasts with about a paragraph worth of notes. So, all right. Anyone who, uh, anyone who does know, I'm interested in how that happened too. So, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the general tournament thoughts uh, of the TOC itself, and then talk um, more in depth about the way that the arguments and the, and the meta played out for uh, the topic itself. So um, for the tournament itself, um, you know, this was the second online TOC, and you can visit our first episode ever uh, for our thoughts on the first online TOC. And I don't know, for me, a lot of the stuff stayed the same. Like after a whole year of online tournaments, like literally I was at a tournament probably every weekend of this year, uh, except for like maybe four or five. Um, I don't know, the TOC just kind of felt the same. The only difference is like, I'm getting a little bit more tired of online tournaments and a little bit more excited for in-person tournaments to return. But I don't know, I just kind of felt the same. Um, I don't know, what'd y'all feel? Yeah, I think uh, my feelings are largely the same. It felt indistinguishable from any other online tournament, which I think is good and bad. It didn't have the the special kind of pressure and tension that comes at the TOC usually in person, which has both good and, and bad consequences, obviously. It just felt, I don't know, kind of the same maybe a little boring. One thing that struck me, I wasn't even at the TOC, but I noticed that it feels like the, the run-up to TOC has, has sort of gotten shorter. Uh, I think both TOC is a little bit earlier now than it was back in the day, but also uh, St. Mark's is later now. Uh, St. Mark's used to be early. Now that's the end of the year and that's a big thing right before TOC. Um, and there's also just with online debate, more of these tournaments are happening uh, that you can easily access. More people going to NDCA and so forth. And so it felt like there was less of like a massive gap between like Harvard Weekend and, and TOC than I've historically recalled there being. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. Like, I think there's something about these national championships that have lost their luster just because they're online. Like I was at CETA and the NDT and they just felt like literally any other college debate tournament to me. Like, sure, the coaches were taking a little bit more seriously and sure, the students were a little bit more stressed, but overall, like not significantly different. Uh, pretty excited for when we... Uh, or if we ever get back to in-person tournaments and there is that sort of, um, I don't know, there's just that factor about being at a national. Yeah, I think I think Jacob's point about the time gap is actually more important than I originally realized. I hadn't really thought about that. But there was this sense, like after Harvard, everyone just kind of disappeared, went into their bunkers to prepare for TOC and then re-emerged with like maybe some new stuff and things have changed a little bit, but in ways you couldn't really predict. That didn't really happen because people just kept debating. 
For sure. Like, I, I think the University of Wyoming made an explicit choice to, like, not attend that many tournaments um, in each semester. I mean, both for academic reasons, like, we don't want our students overstretched, but also because, like, I, I do think that the more tournaments that you go to, the more you're trading off with the ability to just sit down for a weekend and do deep prep. Um, and I think we'll talk a little bit about that later as well. Um, I thought two other random thoughts about the tournament that were good. So first is, um, or, or opportunities to improve, I guess. Uh, first is, I like four round days. Um, I think there's been a relatively large debate in the online communities about whether or not we should have three or four round days, especially in college policy. There's a huge debate about that. And I'm pretty on the, on the side of four round days. Um, I, I see no reason to stretch the rounds over time. This downtime that they give us is totally useless. Like I can't do anything with it. It's barely enough time to go get food. But the other thing that I didn't like about the TOC um, was that it was double flighted. And I think you all had some thoughts about that. Yeah, every online tournament in LD should be single flighted. I think it's, it helps accommodate the different time zones. Uh, we're saving a lot of money on travel. I think we can put that towards hiring more judges to make it feasible. I think it's just a better trade-off for everybody. I would rather have a slightly diluted judging pool. And I think it would only be slightly diluted, but have judges who are more well-rested and not judging at like 11 o'clock on the East Coast or eighth round of the day. Yeah, I have to agree. I feel like most of the tournaments I've judged this year, the schedule has actually felt great. And I think that's largely because of the single flighting. But also, you save a little bit of time online without having to travel to and from the tournament. But I feel like most tournaments, I feel very, very little stress as far as like total amount of time being spent. And the exceptions were like a few of the ones that were double flighted. Like I think Glenbrooks was double flighted, uh, and that it definitely makes a big difference. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about is something that's often I think plagued LD specifically is the way that double flighting affects AF neg balance. Because once the pairings come out, the neg gets like a whole extra hour. Both sides get a whole extra hour, but they tend to favor the neg more than the F uh, if your flight B. And so I think there is something of leveling the, not, not, not so much leveling, but having a consistent effect on AF neg bias if everyone is in the same flight, where you're not like hoping that your flight B for your neg round is in flight A for your F. I would love to see someone actually run the numbers on that to see if flight B Fs are more disadvantaged. That should be pretty easy to do. Someone go make it your stats project or something. Get it done. As a judge, I can certainly say that the flights thing was pretty important. I think my first tournament of the year was Jack Howe, which was double flighted and ran for three days. And that was absolutely brutal. But the last tournament of the year was the NDCA, which was single flight. And it, the difference in like how fatigued I was at the end of the day, it was absolutely immense. And I certainly think that could have played a role in judging. So there's maybe even a something to be said about wanting to keep judges well rested just so that they're other just so that they are at their best and not uh tired due to having judged a trillion debates totally agree probably not sustainable if and when we go back to in person but while we're online come on you got some extra money hire some judges make our lives easier yeah I, that was all i got about the toc itself that was whatever it's just a tournament topic a little bit more interesting um so i guess we can start off with some general thoughts about the topic um, before moving into AF and NEG sections. So starting off with some general stuff. The first thing that we have listed here is just durable fiat in quotes, which I think is a contentious term and has been deployed in like 50% of every single debate, like every debate round, I think, not 50%, like every debate round contains the words durable fiat. I'm not really sure if anyone has come to a consensus as to what durable fiat means. And I think that that is plaguing debates. It's making them, uh, I think, worse, honestly. We're getting the big rocks in first. Uh... I think durable fiat, it was worse on the nukes topic, but still kind of bad on this topic, is is sort of being the 
the, the main factor, I think, skewing people away from like what I would take to be some of the better arguments, mostly on the negative, because people are just going to assume that fiat wishes them away. And it's even the threat that the act and throw that out as like a brief one liner in the one AR and maybe a decent portion of judges are receptive to it makes it really tough for the neg to invest in like, say, a long carded position in the one and fee that runs the serious risk of losing on a short one liner. And so I think there's just an incentive for the neg to run away from arguments that might run afoul of durable fiat concerns, which is a shame because I think a lot of the best neg arguments uh, about sort of like arms racing regulations and so forth uh, sort of face this potential problem. I think one interesting thing that we saw on this topic that we didn't see on the nukes topic that threw another wrench into the work, so to speak, was that it was sometimes strategic for the AF to defend a less uh, a less stringent model of durable fiat, or for the AF to say that stuff like rollback and circumvention was possible, but that for whatever reason, a total ban inspired confidence, or made it so that states didn't want to cheat for stigma-based reasons, and then they leveraged that as offense against counterplans as a solvency deficit. So, for example, if I read a whole resaf about drones swarming or whatnot, I could read a bunch of cards that the plan would inspire international confidence and follow on that would not happen if there were exceptions for individual countries or weapon systems, which I thought was very interesting because on a lot of the previous topics, like the nukes topic, for example, it was always in the AF's best interest to just say durable fiat now, always and forever to, in order to get out of as many negative disadvantaged positions as possible. And I think that the fact that it was strategic sometimes for the F to defend one model of durable fiat or another, and it's strategic for the negative to defend another model should have meant that there should have been like a very explicit introduction of this argument into rounds where each side, I think, should have probably said like, here's our model of fiat, here are some reasons why it's good, here are some reasons why theirs are bad. But instead, I think this happened too often in the rebuttal speeches and too often was not fleshed out enough to the point where as a judge, a lot of the time I was just forced to intervene and be like, this is what I think durable fiat is. No one has really argued what their why their position of durable fiat is good. Uh, which is obviously a frustrating position to be in, especially because I don't think that this issue is definitively settled and that more dialogue around it would be valuable. The thing I would add to that is I actually feel like the thing you said was true on this topic was pretty true on the nukes topic as well. And I feel like people didn't fully realize that. Like the number of rounds I judged on the India app on the nukes topic, where the app is just like, wish away all nukes in India and Pakistan. And the neg's like, counterplan, wish away all war in India and Pakistan. And the app can't say Dural Fiat uh, doesn't solve because they've already locked themselves into it. That was a, a big and common interaction, and it just led to like the 1AR vaguely complaining about how the campaign was cheaty with no good basis for how it was because they're doing the same thing. I thought that came up a decent amount on the nukes topic as well. Uh, the, the problem, I think, was almost no apps on the nukes topic actually cut solvency cards, and so they couldn't afford <laughs> to say, sure, I'll just like impure good to him that my policy works. Whereas it seems like at least a decent number of more apps on this topic actually cut some cards saying their, their bans were effective. Maybe it just shows a different subset of apps, but I found that a lot of the big policy apps actually did invest quite a bit in the solvency stuff. Uh, I remember Loyola's app had a pretty rigorous solvency section. I think Harvard Westlake's uh, did a similar thing. A lot of apps did this thing where they defended a, a ban as a treaty, and then they implicated that in various ways by saying that individual states cheating is a logical possibility, uh, even assuming durable fiat, but that for whatever reason, the treaty would inspire confidence for various reasons, which I have thoughts on later, but... That, that, that's my point is on this topic, people were more willing to cut solvency evidence for the app and therefore more willing to not over over rely on durable fiat. I think the nukes topic apps didn't cut those cards and therefore did the durable fiat thing too much. I actually thought maybe the the app that best stood out to me was the Marlboro app in terms of just willingness to invest in solvency cards for their whole res app. That app had good cards. Marlboro cut some good cards on this topic. Uh, well, I, I guess one thing I haven't covered is what, what's the correct answer? Uh, I, I thought that there was a lot of confusion about this. Uh, and my answer has not really changed since the nukes topic, which is 
if we're if we're talking about um, a multiple country topic, where we're discussing like what a bunch of states should do, it makes sense for any individual state not to have to concern themselves with whether they are going to roll back their own law. You know, like if you, if you pass a thing, same thing with with the domestic topic, you kind of get to assume we're passing this and keeping it, not just immediately rolling it back. But you can't know with any confidence that the other countries that are signing this bill are actually going to do the same thing and they're not going to roll it back or they're not going to cheat on their laws or anything like that. And your like fiat isn't like a thing that gives countries this like magic introspective power on, into each other's minds that they would otherwise uh, lack. And so from the perspective of the United States, the Russia rollback DA is still a big threat. And from the perspective of the Russians, the US rollback DA is, is still a big threat. And so I think that a lot of the best neg ground of just like, you know, like LAW's key to deterrence, that sort of thing, kind of hinges to some degree on the assumption that like our opponents might get them because we're not sure that this treaty is going to work or they're going to follow the same standards or the same rigor we are. And, you know, no country really has, really has a good way around that, barring like a, a very stringent verification mechanism. And uh, that shouldn't be solved by durable fiat, but I think people assumed it was because they're just going to say, well, I fiat the Russians. So obviously there's no Russia rearmed DA. But like, there's no way the U.S. would know that and vice versa. And I think that sort of mutual uncertainty is the basis for like the best neg DA ground. What's funny to me is like, I don't think LDRs are like all that convinced um, on sort of like basic logic reasons for like why that is obviously true. But like the more that I take like foreign policy classes, like that is the core of every foreign policy class, which is like we don't know as the United States what these other agents are doing out there. And that has to form the basis for making foreign policy decisions. Like we can't trust, you know, China to keep their word on lethal autonomous weapons. Why would we agree to a ban with uh, on lethal autonomous weapons with China? Um, and if you just like think about it, you know, from a substantive perspective, like where's all the literature being written in the context of like everyone agrees that like, yeah, that is the core question of an international ban. And yet for some reason it gets sidestepped um, by debaters being like, I don't feel like debating that durable fiat. I have two thoughts on this. I think one is that this showed up on the nukes topic, obviously a lot with other similar questions of verification. One of my favorite arguments on that topic to make uh, was like foreign intelligence solves. Like if th there really was a ban that was so strong as to completely de prohibit the development of nuclear weapons or laws or whatever, it seems like our spies would just figure that out and then like communicate that back to the States. I don't actually know if that's true, but it always seemed like a pretty reasonable argument to me. But, but I definitely agree with Nails's view that uh, individual states rolling back post the plan is total nonsense, which I think a lot of people assumed that the plan only meant that the international treaty came into effect, but that individual states could cheat on their obligations, which I think is a totally bizarre view because it would nuke the idea of fiat as we know it. I think the other weird twist in this topic that wasn't present in nukes is the question of sub-actors, because uh, the government or the state is the actor for this topic. And so to me, it's but there's multiple entities that the ban would affect, and that includes government and non-government entities. So whether or not the government for example, gets to completely fiat that the military prevents uh, or doesn't, whether or not the plan gets to fiat that the military never develops laws versus, for example, private companies, I think is an interesting question. Because on one hand, there's the kind of legislator view that's like, if you are passing a piece of legislation, you only get to pass legislation, you don't just get to kind of fiat that the military complies. I think that view doesn't quite make sense of that. The scope of that fiat should extend as far as them getting to fiat government the government does what they want to which in the case of a ban means following it uh, but i think that the questions of whether or not the ban would be perceived as legitimate uh or whether or not 
other entities would want to follow on and follow the ban is a lot more relevant for the question of private companies or industry, which was very important for a lot of AFS advantages and a lot of negatives dissides. But I didn't see that nuance between uh, public and private development teased out a lot. Uh, this seemed most relevant to my mind with the the China apps, where there was a big disadvantage about like the military not liking it. And I think whether you know fiat and the government does something includes or does not include the military, just sort of essentially comes down to whether you think that that government is act, can act as a unified agent. Like, is is the military a fundamentally distinct decision making body that is not making the decision alongside the rest of the government, uh, and that say like. When you're talking about like the government of China, that would that would not include the military. I'm inclined to say the military should be included in that broader consideration, but I, I think like if you were to argue the other way, I think it would, it would be on those grounds that just like and maybe it, it differs from country to country, like how independent the military is. Um, but that, like if you could win that the military is just somehow like you know fundamentally siloed and making its own separate decisions, then maybe you know fiat wouldn't extend to them. Cool. Um, so next section is called tech. Um, I don't know. It was mostly Quentin that wrote this stuff down. So what are, what are your thoughts here? Oh, yeah. I just thought that a lot of the tech, like debating about technology that was happening was like pretty subpar. Uh, a lot of like buzzwordsy stuff, a lot of not having even like a pretty shallow understanding of what these buzzwords meant. And I think that's somewhat inevitable and okay, because one, the technology that was referenced in a lot of affirmatives was emerging technology in the sense that they hadn't been developed yet. So nuclear with autonomous weapons, a lot of the machine learning discussions that we had, these things are like at the forefront of industry and research. And so the fact that we misuse terms somewhat is maybe okay. Uh, it's also just complex given that most of us are high schoolers and a lot of debate coaches, as I understand it, are like liberal arts majors. And so it's got to be a lot of kind of reading brief stuff, not quite understanding how it's happening. But it was irritating to see. Um, I think my favorite example of this was the was an NDC quarters round that I watched where uh, the negative Reddit counter plan that had a bunch of planks to solve various solvency deficits. And then they ended up extending a plank that was meant to solve a different technology-based solvency deficit to answer the one that the F went for. Uh, and then at the end of the day, the panel gave three totally different decisions about what uh, the implications of that particular plank were. And it was very confusing because no one actually knew what the technology was or how it was meant to solve anything. And so a lot of that, and I think this became especially problematic in a lot of the the, the very very vertical heavy deterrence debates where the AF had like long laundry list of reasons why laws were bad for deterrence and they had long laundry lists were good and these are like complicated technologies and so a lot of the interactions between different uh, forms of technology or specific indicts of how specific technology is or isn't possible I found to be pretty subpar but maybe that's okay I don't know. Uh, I think I agree with that I will say this is something that often comes out in debates and it will frequently show clearly to the judge whether you have a good grasp of what you're talking about or not. Like, especially in context like cross-examination, like it's easy to just clown someone on basic facts, just like ask them how their app works and they have no idea. And, you know, much as I'm an advocate for, you know, using the wiki liberally, stealing cards and all, like that's a good practice. It, it can't be the only thing you do. And I think a lot of this comes from just like, if you don't do a lot of deepening literature of your own and only rely on other folks' cards, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to become clear by the end of the debate that you're not you know, fully up on what you're talking about most of the time. And it definitely reflects poorly. And so I, I certainly would, would echo the sentiment that it would be a lot nicer if debaters had a much deeper understanding of just like the nuances of LAWs. 
the example that comes to my mind is just like towards the end of the topic, I was still seeing people just failing to account for what I thought was one of the simplest distinctions within the literature, the like in the loop, on the loop, out of the loop sort of stuff uh, that uh, was kind of like the basis of a lot of strategy is how narrowly versus broadly do we define LAWs? How does that affect solvency versus the uniqueness of disadvantages? And I was still watching, for example, a lot of negs just read like a DA uh, or a pick with a net benefit. And the AFTA says, why is out of the loop key? And the neg says, I don't know, I'll make args in the 2NR, I guess. And then the args already sucked and weren't based on evidence because they wrote a position not even thinking about how it interacted with like that simple distinction. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. Nails, I felt that very strongly. The in the loop, out of the loop, like automated, auto, uh, autonomous, those kind of very basic distinctions that I think people should have had a handle on were fudged all over the place. You give some examples on the neg, but I also there were a lot of AFs where the solvency evidence, for example, would be about why human out of the loop nuclear weapons would be super dangerous, but then the technologies that are actually talked about on, in the AF are not out of the loop at all, right? There'd be like weird mismatches like that all over the place where people would just conflate stuff. Yeah, uh, I thought both sides had the potential for that to be a huge issue. I felt like AFs were more good about pointing it out when the neg failed the test than the reverse. I think a lot of AFs, especially the nukes AFs, really got away with that uh, and really shouldn't have. Like half of the nukes AFs, a lot of those cards are just like, for example, nuclear weapons of any sort on the loop, in the loop, out of the loop with automated decision-making are really dangerous because in-the-loop weapons due to automation bias function like out-of-the-loop weapons and the plan to be strategic only bans out-of-loop weapons to no link disads. And then like almost no negs point out like, oh wait, your own authors say that that means you don't solve because in-the-loop links to your offense, that sort of thing. Uh, th those details I think get, get lost in most of these rounds. One other uh, general topic thought that I had was that the worst argument by far was T, no future ban. Um, that was read all the time because they would define, they would define words uh, that like loosely implied that like maybe you couldn't ban future technology because they were like, the ban has to happen now. And every app should have been like, yeah, we agree. The ban does happen now. We just ban future technologies from emerging. Like sh shocker. Yeah, like it is, it is yes. absolutely asinine that this was read in so many rounds and then people went for it sometimes how is this argument ever a, a how is this argument even considered an argument in the first place if someone introduced this to me and was like could i read this in the one and see my initial thought would be no this doesn't come close to a complete and coherent argument i agree i judged that show multiple times and i was just so baffled like why does this exist what what app could do anything on an law's topic if it didn't ban things that don't exist yet <laughs> Yeah, like uh, grammatically, it makes no sense because ban is future, even if a ban something in the if ban is present, it's not to ban in the future, and so it grammatically makes no sense. And pragmatically, all the literature is about the future, which means that the apps in the status quo would be like landmines. Like we really want to debate landmines, good, bad for <laughs> four months. No, we well, develop a more high tech landmine, and that's not banned anymore. So you, I, I'm not even sure the landmines have solves. You can't ban the future landmines, like build a smart mine or something. It, it is arguments like these that like, I don't know, maybe the RVI is real. Maybe people should have been losing for reading that show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, AF metagame. Um, yeah, lots of lots of AFs, um, but I, the least popular one, I think, ultimately, or maybe not the least popular, but, but definitely not as popular as it should have been, was just the whole res AF. Just like, hey, states should ban lethal autonomous weapons. I don't know. So apart from just like 
the obvious uh, nails rant about how nevelty is obviously true or generosity is obviously true. And this is the only topical laugh. I just think independent of the topicality concerns, I just thought it was the best laugh on the topic. Um, just like pull res, get ban lethal autonomous weapons. Like the, the literature for it is great. The, the solvency for it is better than any of the subset apps, I think. Um, you get most of the advantages of all the smaller apps, like obviously banning lethal autonomous weapons in general, like you got pretty big like stability advantages, pretty big like nuclear conflict advantages, you know, pretty big um, relations advantages. Like you got virtually everything. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like we had the exact same thought on the nukes topic where we like, we're pretty convinced that the whole resaf is still probably pretty good. What is, what is the reasoning for every, why everyone just runs away to not big apps? Like, I don't know, this, this topic seemed like one where the app was just totally fine defending the big app. Requires knowing a lot about the topic rather than catching people by surprise. Well, okay. And enough. as we discussed a second ago, <laughs> people did not have a deep understanding of the topic and the tech. Yeah, it goes back to the, I think we've talked about a lot here, which is I think there's a trend to think strategy is avoiding arguments instead of winning them. Yeah, I remember judging around, it was finals of some tournament early in the topic. So that was a very high level round where it came down to some circumvention -y thing. I remember the AF just sort of asking, like, how can I more effectively win that, like, I don't have to answer this? And I was just like, you can't, you're on the wrong side. Like you, you can attempt that, but if the neg argues correctly, they're gonna be able to win that like, yes, I get access to like the most core org on the topic. Uh, and then they're like, well, there's just no good like literature for my AF that answers circumvention. <laughs> it's just like, then why'd you write the AF? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, they seem to have picked an, uh, like a, an area in advance of figuring out whether there was real literature for it. And I think if that is a bad model for finding a good uh, affirmative case. And I think if you, did AF research the right way and kind of looked at like which apps have good literature for them. I think there weren't a whole lot of plans that actually passed that test, but I thought the whole res app did with flying colors. There was like really good cards defending the efficacy of the ban. I mean, also good cards attacking it, but like there's no shortage of AF cards uh, that defended, you know, solvency for an international ban. Yeah, I think the, especially the country apps, there just was not literature that made the argument that the app was advancing. It was just fake and like artificially constructed. You never saw a solvency card for a China or an India app. It just was made up. Um, some of the weapons plans that were more specific were a little bit better, like the nuke stuff. Some of those were okay. Um, yeah, I think a portion of the nukes only apps passed the like, do you have a card that convinces me this is the real thing test? And some of the drone swarms apps also. So some some of the weapons only apps and none of the country only apps. Yeah, so I guess good place to start that is like country only apps, which ones were good, which ones were bad? None of them, all of them, respectively. <laughs> all right, for everyone else. I, I, thought, I thought they were mostly pretty bad, but China was maybe a little bit better. So... My, my broad, broadest problem with the country apps is twofold. One is that uh, advantage counterplans just like nuke them to nothing. Uh, my biggest problems were with ones like the India, SoCo, Europe apps, where functionally the advantage was laws are deployed in X area, which is bad. Uh, cool. Uh, do not deploy them in that area. And then you just need to win something else, something politics-based if you want to be rude or, you know, a repurpose thing, which I have thoughts about later. Uh, but they had no intrinsic reason for why a ban was good other than laws are bad because of some specific conflict scenario and because you could just fiat out of that or even impact turn with deterrence. It felt like they were always just doomed to failure from the start. But one exception maybe is China because the China F had broader arguments about international perception of China's development of 
technology and how that affected other countries' balance of powers, et cetera, which meant that there was a lot more of a substantive answer to stuff like the Boko Haram counterplan. Uh, and you can't just like undeploy Chinese laws from various places because countries would still be worried about their domestic development for future employment purposes, which was not true of like the SOCO AFR, for example. So despite being also a Harker coach and then coaching the China AF, I'm not convinced it passed the had a card said China should ban laws test. Um, the card that we continuously referenced was just like, it would be cool if there are like norms about lethal autonomous weapons and like China, like maybe adhere to them. And I think it even came up in TOC semis where like the neg was just like, you don't have a card that says like ban key, you should like lose in circumvention. And our answer was just like, but we've got args that are like norms are good and signals are good. And I was like, but not specific to a ban. And then like, you know, I'm just kind of surprised we didn't lose more to this argument um, substantively. And I'm just kind of surprised that any judge was willing to vote on a plan that had literally no solvency advocate. Um, I, I don't know, was there another China app floating out there that had a card that was like China should ban laws? Not to my knowledge. I'm very much on Larry's side here. I'm sorry, but I think the Chinese, the China app is like the worst of the bunch. <laughs> Absolutely the worst. I judged that app so many times from like so many different schools and all of them, I would just, I, it pained me to judge it. I, I voted for it a lot because I'm sure we'll get to this in the neg. The neg strats versus the China app were even worse than the China app. But man, no, no China app convinced me that it was a good argument. I think it, it suffered tremendously from the advantage counter plan problem. Uh, partly because like Larry was saying, None of the apps have like good solvency cards, right? Like the China complies with international ban is assuming like broader multilateral treaty with verification mechanism that could convince other countries that China is in fact following this thing, not China just like not developing and countries like trusting China or anything or any card saying like if China just like unilaterally decided not to, then that would solve perception issues. And just kind of broadly, most of the advantages I saw were not so much like laws themselves have some inherent problems, but just like China itself has some inherent problems, e.g. that China wants to challenge the United States hegemony. And so if we give it super powerful weapons, then it's going to use those to challenge U.S. hegemony. Uh, I think that was a story of about like half of all China apps I saw at least. And the problem with that is like you haven't identified something fundamental to LAWs. It's just like, well, yeah, if you take an antecedently bad actor and then give it an otherwise like good tool, it's going to use the good tool for bad reasons. And that is exactly the sort of app that just gets decked by an advantage counterplan. I thought negs were not going far enough and, and just being like, not only can you like counterplan China regulates laws, you just like counterplan China like ceases all territorial claims in the South China Sea. Counterplan China gives up disputes in Senkakus, gives up control of Taiwan. Like if the, if the app is China, you have, by all means, just like fiat away all the bad things you think China's doing or going to do with laws. Uh, because it, you, the app has no offense that's really inherent to laws. It's just like China has bad motives, therefore it can't have good weapons. And the, the former thing was the real problem underlying almost every advantage and something very much not in, innate to LAWs. And the parts that were specific to LAWs, again, are the parts that I don't think the AF could solve because they were just like, well, you know, any state having lethal autonomous weapons undermines strategic stability. And, you know, we solve it because international treaties are key, but the app's not an AF, international treaty, so they couldn't solve that. Um, yeah. But I agree that the neg DAs were worse. Like it, it was so much fun to make fun of one MCs against the China AF because they were just not good. Um, yeah, negs were boring and bland and didn't think about the app. I think they're just like, they're, like they're, the problem is like there's there's not like a good card that says like China as it currently exists. <laughs> you know, really, really need LAWs. Uh, and so all the all the DAs sucked. And I think the the best answer were counterplans that. Realistically, they're probably going like to reimagine China's military pretty broadly. 
and are not going to be very law specific. And you just like, if you win that, you can make like the Chinese military more ethical, then it's going to fall into place that China having laws be more ethical. The only, only one in C I thought that I judge versus the China, I haven't judged it many times was good. I was the, the Marlboro strat. Uh, they were, they were rolling with, I think it was PDP limbs where they just wrecked a bunch of China apps on just like counterplan. China continues to develop laws and just like give them the U S like it doesn't keep them and just like turn them all over to the U S and the app was like a big hedge advantage. And so like, is China like actively becoming complicit in United States hegemony really worse for us heads than them just like passively not challenging us. And they have had no good answer to that. Uh, I thought that was a, a clever one. I could think of some good responses to that on the app. Just like it would make the U.S. seem like such a such a pushover if they had to get all their tech from China. It certainly China would then win the arms tech arms race because the U.S. would get lazy. But I I love that strategy. Would they seem like a pushover? Like if the U.S. was just like we are so big and scary that China is just like we want to be part of the most powerful empire and world power ever and just throws all of their money and tech at the U.S. I don't know if that would make the U.S. seem weak. I think you could solve the pushover problem. Like what if G is just like, the reason I'm doing this is because Biden strong-armed me into it. I had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> like, they forced our hand. Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah. that, that she publicly announces that like on, on every Chinese television propaganda network in the world. <laughs> problem solved. Wait, you thought China was the worst of the bunch. You thought there were, you thought like the South Korea app was better than the China app nails. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Because um, <laughs> I'm not saying that the China I, app is good. I, maybe I, I shouldn't have made a comparative claim. I did hate a lot okay. of the other country apps as well. I, I'm going to have to think about that. I, I hated the China app most, perhaps in part because I judged it the most. And yeah, it was, it it was much more prevalent, which made it more annoying. No, actually, I think, I think I'm going to defend my claim. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend China was the worst. The, the problem, I think, was most transparent with the China app was this sort of like, your problem's not a bad weapon, it's a bad agent. Um, did you happen to judge an EU? Where like... Soko and Europe, for example, or the EU more specifically, at least don't sort of like transparently have this problem of like, well, it's not just that the EU's motives are illegitimate and that you could just like resolve those. I said problems like hard quality and like poorly written advantages, but it just it didn't seem like as structurally inherent to the plan that they sucked. Well, so like it depends on which Europe app you were judging. For example, I judged uh, a version of this a number of times that was uh, the EU itself bans development of laws uh cut from an article that said they already did that <laughs> and the only advantage being when the eu negotiates stuff together it's good for like european cooperation which is really easy to obviously advantage kind of because you just i judge that like, you just get times. them to comply over making laws <laughs> anything <laughs> like... <laughs> anything you get them if they agree on anything it solves the f I think the worst offender was maybe the SoCo one. Like all the issues that you described, Nails, I think were prevalent with SoCo. But I think the problem with SoCo is that the net benefits were far, far better. Like SoCo industry just said, pretty good. Cards are pretty good. The Xi and the PLA just said, the China F, like pretty terrible. Uh, but I think maybe like splitting hairs over which of the country apps was the worst is a little I, bit of a. I think SoCo that, is worse. worse. I, I think it. I'm not, I'm not going to defend any of them were any good. Okay, fair uh, enough. I don't know. SoCo just seems so bad because like. The app never had a card that said laws were bad. They just had cards that like laws existed. So I think it actually was worse than the threshold you set up for the China app. Um, I don't think they had any solvency card that says the bans were key. One advantage was just like it, it like makes North Korea scared. But then like you cut one card that's like they deter North Korea. And it's better than every single app card lined up. And then the second advantage was just like they might export laws to this other country. And you're like, counterplan, don't do that. No problem solved. <laughs> so what about weapons apps? I think most of these are probably a little bit better. Um, than the individual country apps. Um, probably the most popular by far was nuclear laws. So what do you all think about that? 
Yeah, I think I, I suggested this a second ago. Uh, obviously, I don't think either of these baskets of apps is, is legitimate. But like, if I had to pick one, I think the the weapons only apps win in a landslide in terms of like real literature behind them that said what it needed to and produced like debates that sort of modeled what the topic is getting at. Uh, and there were definitely some horrible weapons apps. I don't I don't want to like overstate them, but there were at least also some good weapons apps. Uh, whereas I can't say the same thing for the country only apps. Yeah, like landmines. <sighs> That wasn't a real app. The Iron Dome app. Ooh. Uh. Uh, I'm not sure either of those were topical, but that's maybe a, 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 a that's maybe something to talk about later. Yeah, precisely. The, the like Myanmar landmines app, it's like non-topicality was overdetermined by so many different factors. It's hard even to say which one is like the best D objection. So not topical it came back around the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think nuclear was probably the most popular. I mean, several big schools read it, um, Harvard Westlake, Harker. On the, uh, it seems like on face, you know, you could just say, oh, the Harvard Westlake and Harker ethic, they overlap pretty well. But I actually think that the Harvard Westlake nuclear laws app was better because I thought it got closer to being like, here's a real thing um, that is like with real cards that are specific to nuclear laws. And I thought the problem with a lot of the Harker nuclear laws cards is that they were really just about the way that other lethal autonomous weapons would undermine deterrence because they're like, oh, you know, if you have swarms, they can like threaten strike and strike capability and whatnot. And then the Harker plan was just like only ban lethal autonomous weapons that are like nuclear in nature. And then eventually got modified to like anything that could target or strike a nuclear weapon, which just ended up being whole res, but worse. Um, and then I don't even know what the final version of the plan text was. It was so convoluted. I think you have this backwards. I think we started with uh, laws pertaining to nuclear control, and then we realize it's nonsense, and so we just banned the the autonomous nukes. But that's but then we oh okay yeah I think you're right yeah but then but then by the final version we just like couldn't solve anything because like all of our advantage cards were just like if you like have a hypersonic autonomous missile like that can strike and second strike like like that can undermine someone's second strike and so that increases pressures to strike first and it's like but we can't solve that because we don't get rid of those yeah it sounds like I've judged the version that was earlier then because whichever version I judged of the Harker app it was just like a whole res app in disguise but they like disguised it so well that they themselves didn't realize they were reading a whole res app. It was just like, I, we ban any LAW that could like affect nuclear things. And then they are, they read cards that like every LAW could affect nuclear things. And we put those two together and the app has accidentally banned every LAW despite attempting to read a nuclear only plan. Although I could, I could see that making a little bit of sense. Everyone reads T, then you say, hey, it was whole res all along. You just waste a minute and a half. I would have found that hilarious, but they, they did no such thing. And in fact, I believe lost a topicality. Nukes, I think, was so prevalent, but I thought was overperforming. And I think people were a little too entranced by it because of all the AI nonsense on the nukes topic. Because obviously the nukes topic had a bunch of cards that were like, autonomy, it's coming now, and then the AI will decide to kill us. Uh, but like a whole half around that, I think A is just like, there's something I think inherent to be said about how boring it is to just recycle cards from another topic, like so straightforwardly. Uh, the other thing is that, maybe we'll talk about this later, but uh, I know Harvard Russell in particular had problems with two strands of arguments, the Overwatch nuclear AI good counterplan and the U.S. pick in politics, uh, neither of which are inspiring strategies. And so both of which I am a little upset that were so prevalent in the metagame. And I saw it show up in a bunch of docs. Disappointed a little bit. The Overwatch counterplan, is this just like AGI? Just like Yeah, it went through some developments, but the final version was create a utilitarian AGI and then give it control of all the nukes and take away human control. Uh, and then we read a bunch of humans' bad modules. That sounds so much better than US pick and politics. I, I wouldn't even mention those in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> as far as like 
things that could potentially constitute a good one and see. <laughs> I don't understand the U.S. pick in politics. Like, apart from like, I don't even think being a real thing. Like, I, I how could it solve any of these apps? I mean, like the like who is obviously at the heart of all these discussions about nuclear stability it's the u.s if you pick out of the u.s what what does that solve like stable because only only one country has them (laughs) no arms yeah historically that's just been totally true whenever one hegemon acquires all of the big weapons no other country wants those as well yeah perfect speaking of counterplans that give a strategic reason for the AF not to defend durable fiat uh as extensively as they were that would be one of them I think it's I think it's within the scope to defend every other country uh, doesn't use them, and so it stops arms racing. I think just the bigger yeah. problem is that like teams weren't willing to go strong enough on like one country having it outweighs you know infrastructure politics. I, I do also think there was so one debate there on the on the nukes apps that never really came into play, but I think was a big part of the literature was whether it was actually a real thing to begin with. There were a ton of articles out there that were like no country would ever do this, and have and no one has plans to, and that just never came up. It was just a given that AI nukes were coming. I feel like people had the idea that this was a problem and were getting at it in just like the absolute worst ways. Like I think the T can't ban future stuff was most prevalent versus the nukes AF. And I think it's because people had this truish conception of this isn't really a thing that's going to happen and chose the like least persuasive possible means to make that argument. But but it was happening in round two in rounds as well, right? Like the negative would say, oh, like uh, actually automated AI key to deterrence and read that like dead hand good article, but then also read the card that was like, AF author concludes it would never happen. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that it's hard to work that into an argument that's not just like vote negon presumption, which obviously is not super compelling because all of the literature based net benefits like, or this adds like deterrence rely on them existing, which meant that teams, if they want to make those arguments were forced to perception eat disads, like, you know, dip cap in politics, which are fault of the problem being bad. Well, with the dead hand example, Lawrence, I think that's an example of people sort of misunderstanding exactly the technology that's being talked about. There's a conflation in the nuke uh, literature and apps that are being read between nuke, like autonomous nuclear weapons that can like get around missile defense and stuff, right? And autonomous command and control and launch decisions, things that included automation within the command and control, but still had humans in the loop and like automated things like dead hand, which if you read the literature, no one would call that an autonomous system. Most of the time they would call it an automated system. Like the Soviets had it in the seventies before anything was autonomous. Uh, it's more like a landmine than anything. And so these, these things all got mixed together in ways that were, I think, very confusing. And no one was sort of uh, teasing out. Yeah, that makes sense. To be fair, I didn't really, I'm not gonna fault the neg there. I think it was most of the app that introducing the confusion from the start and then I just kind of like throwing whatever they could at the wall to see what sticks. But I agreed that that sort of um, lack of nuance definitely reared its head. So the other big strand of AF um, in terms of what I thought was like an actually decent uh, weapon subset AF was the emerging tech AF. And I think, Q, you actually wrote the Harker emerging tech AF. Did it ever get broken? I don't think it did. It did not. We uh, That was quite the saga. We wrote it for the Harvard Westlake tournament. And it got updated and got love and care all the way up until the TOC when we eventually decided to just say China against Harvard was like the semis. Okay, so first of all, uh, I'm going to veer into a discussion of why people should drill with new apps. And if you're going to write them, you should practice with them so that you can actually read them uh, in tournaments. We, we were having this discussion, I think, uh, right before TOC semis. It's like, we, we have two new apps in the box. Do you want to read one of them? And uh, and our debater was like, I'm drilled with it. And we were like, this this app's been done for like months. Like, why are we not drilled on this? We, the whole point of having a new app is that you break it 
um, at the TOC in rounds that matter. And our debater was like, nah, I'm just more comfortable with China. And then we lost with China. So um, that is a, a lesson that if you write a new app, it's not enough to write it. You have to, to drill with it. Um, for example, in college policy, a lot of the teams that are breaking apps to the NDT, those are finished in December. Um, those apps are done by December, maybe some updates along the way, but they're drilling with those. They are having full, complete practice rounds with them. Um, so by the time the NDT happens, they will have drilled on their app, practiced with their app at least you know four or five times, and their opponents hopefully have zero practice on it. Um, and that's the only way that the new app is going to win. Otherwise, you're just going to like lose through generic or just not even be comfortable enough to read them. Um, but in terms of the substance of the app, um, I don't know. You wrote the app. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, uh, I thought, so I have some problems with the whole res app, and I have some things that I like about this app. So I'll kind of talk about this in order. My problems with, with the whole res app compared to, for example, the whole res app on Nukes was that I thought that the reasons for why uh, a total ban of flaws was key were less compelling than a total nukes ban, and I thought that the single, uh, that the potential good uses of laws were far better than the potential good uses of nukes. So if we go back to the nukes topic, the kind of equivalent debate for that would be whole res nukes out versus the like depressurized Yellowstone pick or the like nuke the moon to like something something tides pick or whatever people were. Those were all like those net benefits for on the nukes topic were all atrociously bad. Like the neg authors were all hacks. Uh, bad, 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 bad. The net benefits didn't make any sense. And the AFCARs for why, like a total ban was key to confidence, prevent any future nuclear testing, ease tensions, et cetera, were very, very good. I thought the the kind of solvency part of the law stuff was also pretty good. I'm not exactly sure how those qualities compare. I haven't looked at them. But I thought that the single uses uh, for laws were pretty reasonable too. There were pretty good cards about why they were necessary for counter-terror reasons or for lots of other liberal reasons. And so I was somewhat less entranced by that because I thought a pretty well-prepared negative team could beat back the kind of permutation competitiveness stuff that teams will typically leverage with generosity apps and then win that they're not benefit at ways. The thing that I liked about the emerging technology app was just the like impact calculus layer. So when I say emerging technology, I'm generally referring to stuff like artificial general intelligence, which is a form of artificial intelligence that is equivalent to human capacities in several areas, essentially, uh, or to stuff like self-replicating nanotechnology, which is uh, commonly referred to as the gray goose scenario. I thought that these, this app was really strong for a couple of reasons. One is the impact all stuff. There are a lot of existential risk experts who think that this kind of stuff outweighs everything else. They, they are explicit. They're like, we should be more scared about Terminator taking us over and killing us all than we should be about nukes or climate change times a thousand. Uh, like the cards on this are just so extraordinarily good. The cards on the opposite side from nukes outweighs everything are like pretty atrocious. So you could read an app about this and then leverage stuff like you no know, nuclear winter or our impacts that way and do like really deep carded impact calculus, which I thought was super strong. Uh, the other part is that a lot of the literature that makes the whole res app good is also uh, in play here because a lot of these emerging technology scared people kind of piggyback off, off of and are in bed with the people who think that the general laws bans are good. So for example, a lot of these existential risk centers uh, cooperate heavily with the uh, petition or the campaign to stop killer robots. So the killer robots people are obviously more focused on conventional AI, uh, but the reasons for why the ban is necessary and effective uh, are the same arguments that are given by these emerging technology people for why a ban that's even potentially far out in the future would still be good for reasons of creating institutional path dependency and safety culture in the status quo, which I thought were really good. Um, I think there was a bit of a solvency problem in the sense that uh, some of this technology is probably inevitable in industry development, but I thought that the F had ways around this. The way that our version of the F got around this was by saying, Militarized development is unique. We had some stuff about why reducing a, a bunch of risk anyways is important. And then we had stuff about a spillover AI culture and why introducing these kinds of norms in military would spill over to industrial purposes and reduce the risk of commercial AGI causing extinction. That's kind of my uh, pitch for that F. And Doherty Valley had a version that was kind of like the version that I envisioned that we wrote. 
Uh, but because they also had an arms racing nuclear war scenario, I thought that they kind of couldn't get away with some of the strong impact calculus stuff that made this AF so desirable. I judged the Doherty AF a few times and I had the same thought, which is I really liked the story of that AF and I think it kind of undercut itself a bit by having an explicit like nuke war causes extinction scenario in there, which they seem to want in most of the rounds I saw it to pivot to, all right, AI, you know, is the, the impact I'm going for it outweighs your disad. And they've already read a terminal impact for the neg, reading nuke war extinction, which forecloses that ability to say AI is the only true X risk, only true X risks outweigh generic catastrophic risks, that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I think I think the, the story of uh, how do LAWs affect broader you know, race to artificial intelligence is a, a very good advantage that I think was not nearly as common as could have been. Doherty had that AF, I think, uh, some of the straight kids, or at least um, Ben, where Ben Erdman had that advantage is like part of a three advantage AF. It was a little underdeveloped, but like it was, it was still a good argument. And I thought I thought it was good. And I, I agree. Like I think that the spin you want to go for is not like do I don't I cause AGI to happen so much as if it's inevitable, how do we reduce the risks and make sure it's properly aligned? And then the question is. Well, if the military gets there first in an arms race scenario, is that more likely to be dangerous as opposed to like civilian cooperative development? Uh, and I think that's a good F. There's also good turns to it though. They're like military is actually safer and more cautious than like random private sector folks and will be more likely to have ethical safeguards. Um, but I think that's a, a good and somewhat underdeveloped section of the topic. Yeah, I agree. Like if everyone's answer to genericity topicality, which is what Quentin termed it in this doc because quote, I'm not calling it an evil deed. If everyone's answer is just like, we get to learn about like new interesting literature bases. Like, I don't know. I really did not need to learn that much about Myanmar landmines to be like, yeah, those are bad. Like, why am I cutting so many cards <laughs> trying to answer this app um, as opposed to like getting into a really cool and deep literature base? Um, it's like, it, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not that niche. I mean, like there are tons of like books in the mainstream. Like I think Toby Ord's The Precipice is probably the, the most famous one right now. Like if you just like read that book, like we would have got, I would have gotten so much more education out of this topic if we just like debated that book. I enjoyed reading through the files whenever they got posted with updates. And I'm just very sad that they never got to get deployed in a round. Um, but maybe we'll use it this, this summer at camp um, for, for a new AF drill or something like that. Finally, last sort of category of apps is like soft left chaos. So I thought... There were some okayish ones. Um, definitely a lot of K literature written in the context of tech and the way that it can get deployed in disparate manners. Definitely some worries about uh, technology that are sort of generic, like automation bias, um, garbage in, garbage out. I don't know if I saw any of that literature in a good KF that I liked on this topic. To be fair, I am not prepped by those people, so I do not judge those asked very often. But I don't know. Did the rest of you see any of those KFs that you liked? saw some that I almost really liked. Uh, one argument that I thought was kind of interesting was the way you know, technology is going to affect the balance of power between nations. And LAWs mean that there's going to be more of monopoly in force in, in the, the hands of Western countries, particularly the United States and other countries. If they want LAWs, you're going to have to like rely on US security guarantees to get access to them, that sort of thing. And it it kind of, it made me think of the the like, generic GMO argument about like maybe GMOs like good or bad have this patent problem of, of like if our food is now owned by like the people that develop the best version of it that creates like a, a power imbalance that sort of thing and I think it's probably not like the most robust F argument because I think it doesn't stand up well to various counter plans that could probably like have LAW still exist while getting around that problem 
But I thought it was at least an interesting argument that wasn't dealt with very well by the, the negs that I saw answering it. Because again, like I think negs are not getting creative with counterpoints versus a lot of apps that have more unique advantages. Um, but I thought like that that's at least an, an interesting argument in the vein of wealth. I think it struggles with the ban key warrant, but I like the argument. And I I say almost like these apps because like the ones that judge like they're they're insistent on being cheating in other ways. Like you have a, a nice, perfectly good like core of the topic LAW's bad arg, and then the two AR is like vote for discourse first. And I'm like, no, where where'd the LAW stuff go? Um, and yeah, I, I thought like if you just roll with that straight up, that'd be a, a pretty decent uh, LAW's bad app. I had a couple thoughts. Uh, I saw some of this more from the prep side than from the like judging side because Harker prepped two versions of these apps. One about uh, Zen Buddhism, and the other one was about like racial security. My problem with both of them is just like human fill-in, like pretty strong, I think, because a lot of these apps were about essentially automated drones. So, you know, I send drones to the Middle East and I tell them to just like indiscriminately kill like terrorists or brown people or whatnot, and that's like really bad for racial security reasons. Like, sure. But the alternative to that is just humans, and man, humans are you know pretty messed up, which is why a lot of the drones bad literature exists in the first place. And I and I tried really really hard to get uh, the person who's prepping this file, Akshay, who is also a feature instructor at VBI, to explain like how this actually solved anything. And he was just like he sent me like a lot of stuff, and I was like confused, and I it all seemed like kind of nonsense, hand wavy, like just hope they don't notice, and hope they don't notice to me is not a amazing prep preparation strategy or just anything you want to hear while you're prepping a new app. I think the vast majority of these kinds of apps I judge were about policing, where, where I think yeah. this problem was especially acute, right? These apps would be criticizing police culture in general, and then say, like, also laws are bad, and then just end up losing on turns about why cops are worse than robots, and just wouldn't have anything ready really to say in response. I thought maybe the larger the policing apps is all of their cards were like deploying surveillance dogs, like the G dog yeah. are bad. And then they're, and then they're like ban lethal autonomous weapons. And I was like, I don't know, like the amount of times that the police have used robots to kill is like, I think currently like one, like they strapped a bomb to some like robot in Dallas when like dealing with an active shooter situation and just like drove the robot in. But like, that was not a lethal autonomous weapon. Like, if it, and that is a, an excellent alt cause um, to the app. Like if, no automated suicide police bot, I mean, just, you know, piloted suicide police bots and they couldn't solve any of the surveillance stuff because those weren't lethal. Like you just take the gun off the dog. Like, what are you going to do? I think there were some good cards and there's definitely a lot of cards that are, that are as described, you know, not that specific to LAWs, either human police or surveillance, non-lethal drones or big alt causes. But you do have some, especially in the context of authoritarian countries, that there was a decent bit of literature. There was a decent bit of literature uh, suggesting that, um, you know, like in terms of dictators trying to maintain holds on power and enforce things, ha not having to worry about, you know, human defectors in their military ranks is a big thing. Because, you know, people in, you know, control of military juntas tend to have to worry about, you know, loyalty and stuff. And just the ability to have, like, fully autonomous uh, weaponry really solidifies the ability of, like, autocrats to maintain control of their countries, which might be bad. Yeah, but doesn't that fall prey to the same problem you were mentioning with the China app, which is just, like, all of those problems are, like, mostly problems of, like, the antecedent actor problem, like, not the sort of, like... Well, I would not be specifying a particular country for that. Okay, fair enough. I would, <laughs> I would say the thing you need to win is, like... We need like a broad global band so as to give force to like pressure those countries into complying. Because yeah, if you specified like a particular autocratic regime, I'd say the correct answer is like counterplan, depose the regime. <laughs> Just like with that North Korea app and you went for uh, the Rousseau NC and the uh, re reunite with South Korea counterplan.
Beautiful. That was a good strategy. All right. Uh, any other major app thoughts on this topic? The last thing I'll say is I feel like the the fill apps seemed kind of absent, which was weird to me. Especially given that it was actually like the Just War stuff, at least, was a huge portion of the literature, I think. A humongous. Yeah. Like, I think like almost half of the articles in journals you find would have some Just War component somewhere. And it was just completely absent. Yeah, I mean, I, like the some of the main arguments from the app were these sort of basic IHL type principles of how do we respect the distinction between combatants and non-combatants? Can AI do that better or worse than humans? Uh, can they build in factors like proportionality? Is there just some like basic gut ethical norm of like you know delegating decisions like this to weapons is itself inherently unethical? Like that was just that showed up all over the place, even places you didn't think about it. Like there'd be an author who's just writing about the generic practical benefits and they would devote a few paragraphs to like, also, by the way, here's these random ethical implications. Like every article was either af or neg on those questions. And I thought they were almost entirely absent. I saw them occasionally, often just as internal links to ILAW stuff. Like we need to ensure accountability norms so as to like make ILAW effective. That's also a good advantage. I don't, I don't dislike that advantage, but it was also kind of weird that like no one ever just took that and ran with it in and of itself, <laughs> you know, like accountability type stuff is itself a moral good. I, I think that I think the obvious reason for why is just like impact inflation. Just like as soon as anyone in debate says consequences matter, everyone interprets that to mean util is true, therefore extinction outweighs. And then like <laughs> proportionality versus a new war impact. Like yeah, um, and I think that's the main reason why those don't succeed. I, I think there's an unfortunate lack of overlap between uh, the circles and the Venn diagram of debaters who like to cut cards and debaters who like philosophy. You have debaters who really like cut, like cutting cards and have this like weird hatred of anything philosophical and just run from it. And you have debaters who really like philosophy and run from the idea of cutting cards. And so not, not really a segment of the, of the debate population that wants to cut a lot of deep topic specific bill cards. And that made me sad. I, th I think I saw more Kant negs with like offense that was like taxes are bad. We shouldn't do anything ever. <laughs> then I saw apps that had actual topic just war IHL stuff. Big sads. Oh, we can play about the negs now too? Because yeah, I, I was also dismayed at the quality of the contentions of Phil Negs on this topic. Yeah, sure. I guess this is as good as good a time as any. Let's talk about some neg thoughts uh, right after this break. All right, welcome back from that short break. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, neg arguments on this topic, as well as the neg meta game. Um, and we'll just pick up where we left off. Let's talk about some of the philosophy positions that were being read on the neg. My take is they were bad. Um, everyone else? Yes. I I judged the the Kant NC so many times. And I feel like there is good Kant neg offense. Like, I think you could write a good Kant NC. I didn't judge a good Kant NC. <laughs> uh, everyone I judged was... I one of two arguments, and I think these are both 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 basically the same argument disguise. It was either like the AF involves like restricting private people's ability to own their own LAWs and that violates their right to property, which is bad. Or this just like analytic assertion that you can't ban a thing because somehow that's inherently bad that I'm pretty sure is rested on property right related assumptions and was never warranted. And like that's just it's, it's a thing you can technically say. Like you can go so anarcho-capitalist that you're just like, yeah, if I want to own my own private nukes and I want to have them autonomously targeted, 
yeah, who, who are you to stop me? But like that, that is not what I would describe as like the best Phil Neville on this topic by any stretch of the imagination. And I think it only existed because those cards are not topic specific and therefore can be entirely recycled. The can't ban anything ever was just as true or not, not true on the nukes topic and you recycle your nukes in C with zero new prep. And the best stuff was more turnable, you know, like uh, I think it dovetails with a lot of the just war theory stuff about LAWs can improve our ability to discriminate between combatants and non-combatants. And that's a immoral imperative in wartime and respect for humanity requires that, you know, not killing innocent people. And that unfortunately will rely on some empirical considerations and like having the ability to debate evidence quality. And I guess that the people who, who want to go for contencies don't want to <laughs> cut cards and debate evidence quality. And so there is this unfortunate lack of incentive to write the good framework with a good contention and put it together. Um, and so I don't think I judged any NCs where I thought the contention should pass muster. Most one ARs nonetheless just answered the framework anyway and didn't contest the bad contentions. Oh my God. So I judged like, I think only three flights of the TOC, but all of them were like some fill versus util debate. And so in the first, the first two flights were just like big util app content C with the exact same crappy contentions that you talked about. And uh, like the one and two would usually be like, here's like a counter plan. Here's like a, like Nebel T and here's like the, a, a, a DA and then content C. And then like some case answers, mostly just answering the util framework. And the app would just be like, I will take the path of most resistance possible. I am going to win the util framework. I'm going to beat the like three contention turns that they ran against, but like the three turns to my advantage. I'll beat Nebel T. I will answer this counter plan answer the DA and I will get to the cont NC and answer the framework, but not answer the contention. And I'd just be like, you should just answer T and then straight turn the NC because their, their contentions are terrible. Why aren't you doing this? I mean, Harker did it. Harker in finals of an <laughs> Octos bid, the one AR was just 130 to evil T and 230 turning cont. And we won the shocker. Like it's almost- I judged that round. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I just expected Harker to, to defend Util just out of some moral <laughs> imperative. <laughs> It, that's the thing. That's the thing, and that explains why these NCs exist because apps do respond that way, and they take it more as yes. like a culture war fight than like a question of what's strategic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so silly. It's like the truth of util versus cont is like way more up in the air as opposed to the truth of I let me own my private nuclear weapons. Like, come on. <laughs> and I told that to both debaters, and they were just like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that." It's like. But, but why? Like it, it takes like 30 minutes to put together some analytic straight turns against the contency because they're going to be way better than the analytic nonsense that was the contency. Yeah, like if I'm picking my ground, much as I would, I'd love to defend util, uh, I would much rather defend like Kant does not justify the most radical version of anarcho-capitalism <laughs> imaginable. Uh, strikes me as better ground if given the choice. Yeah. I don't really see any other... Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> If you just take a step back, it just seems so obviously true. Um, and I'm not sure if I saw any other Phil NCs um, other than Kant. I think Kant was the only thing that I saw. Um, not to mention, I think the more radical stuff, like the, these contentions that are just like so incredibly broad it's linked to everything, suffer from real uniqueness problems if not paired with a uniqueness counterplan. Like, for example, I saw the the Kant NC versus the, the nuke SAF with the contention of like private individuals. And like, yeah, technically, I guess they're like the app has this unique link of individuals cannot own their nuclear weapon. Like, I I couldn't develop nuclear weapon targeting software and like have that software on my computer or post plan. You already couldn't. But I also yeah. can't own nuke that I could use that software on because individuals can't own nukes. And so I I feel like there's this serious uniqueness problem versus any of like any of the contencies that are actually being read absent like a counterplan into anarcho-capitalism that you also don't have a particularly consistent maxim for how the government should function. 
Whereas the more like LAW specific offense doesn't really suffer from that problem because it's only really about the, the topic. Yeah, the, well, I saw I, I am aware of three other things and they like help coach or whatever against these. But uh, I think worst offender, of which was the virtue ethics uh, version of the NC, which essentially said it's banned to it's bad to ban uh, laws because laws are like actors and we got to let the, those actors flourish. And I'm like, man, it's it takes a leap of faith to say that. You know, my my police Argo targeting software that just like shoots you if your skin color is a certain color is like considered a flourishable actor, you can like achieve eudaimonia. Like, I'm not sure anyone would agree with that. And certainly, uh, it certainly seems like you should at least ha- then have to defend that like machine consciousness is possible and coming now and all that other goods. And of course, no one did that. Uh, that that one was a, a particularly terrible. I also saw like at a Gomden NC, but that's just like you know. That, that was just like a presumption like the state can do whatever it wants. You can't restrict it. And then Hobbs, but Hobbs is Hobbs and, you know, whatever. Oh, good. Fascism NC. Speaking of terrible contentions, a lot of a lot of the Hobbs contentions are horrific misrepresentations. It's like the AF told the government to do something that it's not already doing. Therefore, you're like infringing on the government's rights. And that's my violation of, of like, as if Hobbs implies that the government like ever changing course is always unethical. It reminds me of actually this very old type of NC that used to exist. It's like the forerunner of the polls NC, which was like democracy is good. The AF is like forcing the government to do something that wasn't like democratically decided upon uh, like already. They should only do what they're already doing because that's democracy. (laughs) I think I think you would have to counter plan into like a direct democratic government. And then that might make sense. doesn't make any sense in the status quo of representative democracy. All right, uh, something closer to real arguments. So um, where do we start? Maybe with, uh, we already talked a little bit about circumvention with the durable fiat discussion. Is there anything else that is specific to the NEG that is worth bringing up here again? I was a little bit sad to see NEGs go for circumvention versus single country AFs and then lose because like fiat solves does make a whole lot more sense when it's just like one country banning the thing. And then the neg is like, but this is like so unfair. You've like spiked all my ground. And like, yeah, they did. But at the level of the plan text, not the level of the, the fiat part, you should be going for T. I'm sorry. Um, and that that was a, a sad little interaction I saw a few times where the neg would pull out their nice like treaties fail cards. And then they have to be like, I gotcha. I'm not T. I didn't defend a treaty. And then like the one in fee didn't include T. And so, well, now you're just up shit creek. Okay. Um. Yeah, the, the deterrence DA, um, I don't know, solid argument. Uh, I thought it was similar to the deterrence DA on the uh, nukes topic, which is to say, solid argument, didn't get deployed much, kind of fell out of favor pretty quickly. There are different flavors of it for sure um, that were being read against specific apps, but just the sort of like, here's a deterrence DA. I don't know if I judge that o- that often. Did y'all's experience differ? I have strong, strong disagreements with uh, your experience, which is that I thought the deterrence they said on the nukes topic was a, was a joke. Because the impact was like a couple hundred thousand people dying, which is not an impact compared to uh, the planet exploding. But I thought, I thought, I also saw a lot of deterrence stuff uh, on this topic, like way more on the nukes topic than I remember there being. And I remember uh, some of the Parker R. Harker debaters were like super, super inclined to just go for deterrence no matter what. And I thought that was a little weird because, like I said earlier, a lot of these deterrence debates in my mind, I, uh, certainly for stuff like the swarms of the nukes apps, came down to just like half laundry list reasons why good for deterrence, half for deterrence, big laundry list reasons why good. Uh, throw them at each other and i think that the interactions between these things were really important and i think this is maybe the one place where the af was actually pretty far ahead in terms of their reasons superseding the nags reasons so for example the af would be like 
bad for deterrence because uh, software errors mean it'll just like accidentally nuke someone one day. Nig would be like good for speed. Machine speed means uh, we're able to resolve conflicts more quickly, which leads to more credible deterrent. Uh, if, if these two things are true in a vacuum, it is obviously, obviously true that the aft thing takes out the neg thing first because the machine errors would supersede its ability to act quickly in an effective, rational way. So these, so I thought that basically on the aft, you had to like win it like, or on the neg, sorry, you had to win, you had to win all their stuff was wrong and you had to win a couple of, you know, a couple of your big turns about why laws were good for whatever deterrence reasons. And I thought that was like a really uphill battle to win, especially against stuff like the nuclear laws acts, in which that debate was just like the entirety of the one I see you had to refute and then you had to advance your own stuff. So I'm shocked that uh, I would be far too scared to ever go for this. Uh, so shout out to people who did that. But I thought strategically, uh, maybe it was a bit of an uphill battle sometimes, but also, you know, core topic, topic controversy, lots of good cards about it. It makes sense why people would want to go for it. So on the nukes topic, you do have the sort of exclusively conventional version of the deterrence this ad, which I mean, it existed, but it's definitely not the strongest thing ever that just like we, we need to have the risk of extinction. So as to defer to deter minor conventional conflicts, you're just really behind the magnitude debate from the start. And I'm like the best cards in that were from like the eighties, the someone like the eighties running the numbers and being like, it totally outweighs unexpected utility. Uh, that sort of thing. But like, I thought the good version of the deterrence argument on the nukes topic was the one that was never read because of the fiat issues, which is, you know, countries have mutual uncertainty whether each other have nukes, don't have good means of verifying it. And I need to maintain nukes so as to deter other countries who I suspect might be cheating, that sort of thing of like nukes deterred nukes that have to be like, ah, I fiatted away nukes, I fiatted world peace and problem solved. And without any good evidence that's you know substantiated like a ban could get, give countries that level of ease of mind that they could know that their adversaries were also following the ban and to sort of assume fiat like turned all the countries into like a hive mind and i think that's the good version of the deterrence da is on the one with the nuclear implications on the nukes topic and kind of similar with the loss topic i think again the better version of the deterrence arguments are not just like is deterrence more stable in a world of all laws versus no laws where we like know for sure those are the worlds we exist in so much as there's this impending arms race. Can any individual country be sure that it's not going to fall behind if it signs on to a ban that maybe has, you know, weak or unenforceable uh, mechanisms? And then the issue is the other countries have LAWs and you don't, and that has major deterrence implications. I think that makes sense on this topic, but I'm not, still not sure why you think that makes sense on, last, on the next topic, because like the, you know, if countries are unsure about other countries' disarmament processes, what's the impact? No country has nukes because they all individually you don't decided know that. that they're bad. That's, that's the point is if I'm a decision maker in like the United States Senate or something, I have no idea that the Russians are not lying when they sign on to some ban that I signed. No, I understand that. But the, the U.S. wouldn't have nukes to then attack Russia with because the U.S. got rid of their nukes unilaterally. If everyone gets their, rid of their nukes unilaterally, I think there's maybe not a problem. So a lot of the cards on those debates, though, would talk about the time frame of disarmament and the uncertainty during drawdown leading to first that strikes, too. for yeah. example. Um. Yeah, I think I think that was. Yeah, you, you can yeah. pass a. You can say the ban happens now, but you can't say nuclear weapons, like disintegrate into the into the ether, yeah. right? But also, like I don't know that other countries are are going to disarm. And so, like if for example, I think that the United States is like a force for peace, and then we get rid of our nukes, and I'm worried that like India and Pakistan revoke the ban or something, and that I no longer have a dog in the fight. Like, I I think people assumed a lot more than was legitimate about like what the world looks like post plan, just on the basis of fiat alone. And like, it makes sense from like a God's eye view, but that's not the perspective that the topic is, is taking. If countries are making these decisions in their own, uh, you know, legislative bodies, and they don't have that knowledge that every other country is perfectly complying with the ban. And so if you're like the United States, you have this very real concern of, 
what if we get rid of our nukes and the other countries start duking it out and we no longer have the ability to like project power, that sort of thing. Like security dilemmas I thought were very real in the nukes topic, both like rearm-ish things, disarmament process risks, uh, lots of literature about that that I thought was very concerning. All right, next off, the regulations counterplan. I think that was probably the first card I cut for the night was just like that Lewis article that was just like the case for regulating fully autonomous weapons. And I don't think I saw it again until Sundays of the TOC, um, which is shocking. Um, that article is, I don't think it was the best reg counterplan article, but it's definitely the easiest to read because it was like the first result in Google and like very easily, like it was like organized very well and like none of the language is particularly dense. Why was this not everyone in C against every app? Just well, I have a, a good suspicion as to why. It's because it, it solves the good apps and people read the bad apps. The, 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 you're right. Like the, the regs counterplan is an excellent one and C strategy versus an app. It's talking about things like accountability issues and targeting issues and so forth. The like LAWs may or may not have these structural problems that make them impossible to like follow IHL guidelines and whatnot. And the neg says, well, that's not inherent. That's just true of poorly developed LAWs. We can regulate them to make sure that they work. And like, that's a, a good debate core of the literature sort of thing. But the problem is those apps that they responded to were the key internal link to the app offense uh, were almost non-existent. Like I think Greenhill and Marlboro had apps that would have been answered by the regs counterplan. Whereas like half these apps are just like weapons are bad. For example, like, take the China app, right? Like I judged a, 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 an, a debate that was China app versus regs counterplan. And Harker was in it even. Like Harker had that nice like tort counterplan as like a version of regulations. Like tort, tort law will ensure that they're used well. And it was tragic that I, I had to vote for the China app over the, the tort counter plan. Cause like the neg cards were like great <laughs> and the app was dog shit, but like it has this problem of like the counter plan solving a better thing than the app is talking about. And it like the app is not like China's laws are bad if they like use them poorly or like accidentally kill civilians with them. It's just like China having good weapons is bad because China will now have more power and then the US will decline in hegemony. And that is going to be equally true whether China has like well-regulated non-civilian killing weapons or not. It's just like China having really powerful weapons is bad. And so the regulations counterplan was solving these things that are sort of like more intrinsic to laws than app advantages actually were. And eggs just had to inevitably devolve to like worse arguments to beat the worse arguments because this counterplan, I think, answers stuff that ass weren't saying. I think, yeah. I think maybe, I think that's an interesting idea, but I think that the fact that the apps were written poorly actually may have been an advantage to some degree. Because I think, in my mind, the regs counterplan has two big net benefits. One is a circumvention argument for why soft law is better than hard law, because hard law fails for like a bunch of reasons. Why companies won't follow their own regs, why companies will find bureaucratic problems uh, difficult for hard law, and so instead it's better to regulate softly, because they'll be more willing to follow on with that. And then you can have uh, kind of bigger external net benefits about uh, like industry practice or whatever, like the AI winter just said. But I thought that the fact that these apps did not have good solvency mechanisms made the case for the regs counterplan stronger because the app would be like, it, these weapons are bad. The NIG would be like, if we do the soft law, we do this regulation, the companies will all, companies and countries will all like love it. They'll follow on. Well, this is like the most safe version possible. But if we just ban them, then everyone will riot and they'll like try to develop them as fast as possible. They'll just circumvent the things. They'll pay the fines. They'll just take the hit. Uh, and for me, that would be like pretty devastating because the app wouldn't be in a like serious place to defend their claim because they don't have cards saying that the best way to regulate this technology to make sure that their bad tech goes to zero is through a ban. And so uh, I, the way that Harker, I think, started answering the AGI app that I thought was so good earlier was just exclusively through this kind of point because I knew that we couldn't beat them on like the tech stuff. So I was just like, okay, it is far better to do soft regulations than hard regulations. And then we'd beat them on that and a bunch of external net benefits. In my view, uh, 
what you said is true, but I think Nakeem should have been more willing to ask these questions about fiat and push these circumvention-based arguments in order to exploit a disadvantage of the affirmative as opposed to refusing to engage with them. Something related to that. I will say some of the best debates I've judged as far as quality debate over the topic go were rounds where the 2&R was just case turns, largely circumvention in nature. And you just had this big debate about whether bans are effective or not. And in none of those rounds did the 1&C even include a regulations counterplan, let alone the 2&R. And those two things, I think, just naturally pair very well to me. Circumvention plus regs is just like a, a really good combo, partly because the counterplan impacts out your circumvention turns. Like, what's the problem if it goes underground? A lot of times, and some of the times the F1 were because it wasn't exactly clear why like underground laws development is worse. And if you got a good defensive, like, well, above ground development has these nice clear regulations that are really good at uh, safety. Now you have an impact of pushing things underground means we no longer have these great regulations. And I think that, like, I liked the circumvention two and R's. Like, those are a, a good debate to have, but I think they would have been aided substantially by a regulations counterplan and none of them included one. All right. Topicality, everyone's favorite subject. Nails' favorite subject for sure. Mm -hmm. So my opinions on this topic have not been particularly swayed having judged it. I, I, I feel about the same as going into it. Um, obviously, like, had, had the literature been, like, pragmatically great, I, I would still be overarchingly persuaded by just, like, that's not the topic um, regarding these one country plans and so forth. But having judged a number of these debates... I'm also very, very unpersuaded by the, the, the sort of pragmatic offense of like, yeah, these debates will be totally better if we dis discuss like just China or just the Koreas or whatever. Uh, it, those AFs almost always struggled to produce literature that was actually about their affirmative. It led to the sidelining of core questions about, you know, treaties and verification and cooperation between countries in an international setting and that sort of thing. I will say like the, the AFs by the end of the topic on the, the the weapon side were at least fine in the like the literature regard um still not topical but like definitely past the like you have real cards that make this like a thing worth debating test but the, yeah the, the country asked did did not persuade me that, that there was a whole lot of value and specification there my main complaint as the season arose is that nebel or generosity started feeling like the annoying fallback option that everyone put in the one in c out of pure cowardice with no intention of going for it until they started losing substance and I'm not saying that Nebel is wrong. In fact, I think it's right. But I think Nebel is so right that against these bad apps, you should just read a long Nebel shell and be prepared to defend it um, from the start and be willing to go for it. But instead, I thought what we got was the worst of both worlds, where everyone in C was bogged down by T, everyone in AR wasted time on T. And then if the 2NR felt like it was doing fine on substance, it would always go for substance. But that substantive strategy was always underdeveloped because they included T. Um, or they'd go for T, and that was always underdeveloped because the T shell that they included was super underdeveloped. And then the 2AR would be late breaking and have like 17 new arguments. And I'd be like, I think I have to allow these because the 2AR didn't have half the arguments for semantics first or didn't have half the arguments for why picks don't negate or anything like that. And it was, it was just awful to judge. I, I hated it so much. Like I would have just rather people not read Nebel T and just like, you know, if you're like, fine, I, the types of debates that I like are the ones in which you spec countries and weapons for some reason. Let's just have a debate about that. And instead, I thought it was just, at this point in time, I think Nebel's just become cowardice. It's always so half-hearted now. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. Yeah, could not agree more. Uh, I, I think I've seen a lot more T-shells look increasingly like a policy one in T-shell, which yeah. honestly, even in policy debates, I'm not a big fan of the like incredibly short T arguments that then don't actually have warrants until the block. But at least in policy, like you still get a real debate because there's a, a huge block explosion 
where the, the two and C or the one and R talks about T for a while. And then you have the one AR, two and R and two and R. Whereas here uh, in an LD rounds, if it starts out being 45 seconds in the one and C, then it's all just all brand new in the two and R and two AR. And I feel like a lot of these apps, like the one AR will be like four second one liners and the two AR just collapses on like three minutes of just like the picks bad standard or something. And you, you can't really be like, no app, you can't do that when the one in C was like 20 seconds itself. And so I, I think that the, the two and R's will always be like, don't allow new arguments. And given the length of current one in C shells, I'm never persuaded by that. A more robust one in C, I think would make me infinitely more willing to protect the two and R versus two AR newness. Yeah, plus like I think for true defenders of like, well, I, I'm not sure if you called them defenders. For people that are truly anti T, of which there are many, I, I don't understand how you could ever think that going for Nebel T is is good. Like you've you've staked a position that is like the topic, like Nebel's interpretation of the topic has to be incorrect. So let me read my tiny app. And then someone else reads their tiny app against you. And you're like, we have no prep. And I'm be like, yeah, what a predictable consequence of your choices. And then they're like, oh, we have to go for Nebel T. It's like, but this is you like made your bed, you should sleep in it. Like if you think that Nebel T is false, just like be consistent about it. And like the more that I think about it, like the more that like hypocritical theory is like silly as it is, like seems to make more sense to me. It's like, I feel like if you violate Nebel T on, on frequently, you should not be allowed to go for it. Um, Did Jake ever publish that hypocritical theory thing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I forgot. Like before TOC okay. last year or two years ago, two years ago even. Yeah. Yeah, this is before TOC 2019. Never made a splash, but I kind of wish it did. Yeah, if it was ever justified, it would be against that exact person. <laughs> like, I don't even mind. Like, if you were just like consistent, you're just like, look, Nebel's, Nebel's wrong for like my wrong reason. And just like only read policy arguments refuse to read Nebel T. Like, I think I'd be way more okay with it than this like horrible hybrid of T kind of just getting thrown around there because you're like, oh, I didn't do it's, prep. Yeah, it's, it's like, the contency of, of T. No one expects it to be yeah. any good or like really developed or put any thought into it. And no one really just there if you don't have anything else to say. It's, it's like the K teams that go for T framework all the time and they're one and C's. Oh, yeah. For me, like, like, I think what ended up happening is people were like, fine, we can't go for Nebel because like a lot of judges won't vote, vote on it. But there are also these like tiny apps that we just like don't have a good answer to. So like, what do we do? And they just like started carving out like random ad hoc topicality interpretations to try to like exclude the space app, for instance, but like somehow include the nukes app. And it's just like, I don't know, it became like, I think pretty difficult to start drawing non-arbitrary lines between like this subset F, fine, this subset F, not. Like, I think the only like area in which I thought there was like a very obvious line is just like these landmines Fs, which were just like very clearly not T. But then like everything outside of that, like, I don't know, like based on just like individual words of the topic, like lethal autonomous weapons, it's not clear to me that there was a good way to exclude a lot of these like space interceptors apps, for instance. Um, but I, I don't know. Like maybe maybe I'll think differently. Like maybe there is a way outside of Nebel to say that they're they don't count. Or like Poseidon, for instance. Like that was a super popular app. Like I think Debatrials was reading that. Should not have been a popular app. I mean, yes, uh, for substantive reasons, I think not. But for but for topicality reasons, like if one was already committed to the view that Nebel T was false, I'm actually what is the what is the topicality concern with Poseidon? lethal easily i think t lethal was underdeveloped and underused which i think would actually differentiate the things that i think intuitively are silly like space interceptors and poseidon but would include stuff like nukes because like what is lethal like i had some conversations with some people about this and i agree that like it's not amazing on either side but lethal means you kill human designed to kill humans explicitly i think is like far more reasonable than the uh interpretation that the space interceptor apps use, which was like always something like uses force to achieve a goal. Like so does literally everything in human existence. Like that's not an argument. I, I thought T lethal maybe, maybe should have been more of a thing. But 
or T autonomous. In a lot of cases, these apps were reading things that were not uh, human out of the loop, for example, and you could find really good interpretations that said laws are human out of the loop. Something that seems significant to me in these two debates, especially for the uh, the weapon spec side of things, is I think there's two very different versions of the, the topic that the NEG could potentially imagine here. And I think the NEGs, especially in the one and the interpretation level, are often like unclear on exactly which one they had in mind. So option A is the like ban is like totally categorical. There can be no exceptions. You have those cards that are like eliminate means complete, that sort of thing. Um, or in this case, like ban means complete. Um, and your your interpretation of the topic is basically F has to you know, get rid of 100% of LAWs. And by that logic, any pick is neg ground because if you prove anything less than 100%, well, it's not really a ban, whatever. And then there are also some set of cards that were just like, yeah, sure, these bans can have some exceptions to them. We can build in, you know, carve outs or whatever. And like, therefore the AF needs to like, you know, buy and large ban LAWs, but maybe we make an exception for one or two types that would otherwise technically meet this, this thing. And I think as far as topicality goes, like that relatively minor difference is actually pretty major uh, because in one scenario, your vision of the topic is like, AF versus any number of picks. In another scenario, your vision is sort of like broad LAW is good versus broad LAW is bad. And I think people were getting like mixed up between the two in ways that made their offense kind of confused. The latter, I think, is better at going for the limit standard, right? Like if you're if you're trying to go for limits as your main offense, which you typically want to on T, you just want to say, well, look, AF ground is just sort of like generically LAW is good. Next got to win that it's generically bad. Now you've got a pretty limited topic on both sides. Whereas the like AF band, the 100% of LAWs, I think a pretty true answer is just going to be like, all right, well, you just opened the door to like a, a bajillion little picks. And so limits is going to be somewhat non-unique. And then you, you've got that problem, of course. And then, you know, the the benefits of the, the like, you have to ban categorically. It, it, for example, you don't have to have this line drawing problem of like how how generic is enough. Like how, or if the AF bands a lot, it, it, does that meet the test of being like by and large? There's sort of like a line drawing problem. And you have the benefits of like, we get into these like one country defection or like can one exception of weapon break the ban? And maybe you just want to say those debates are good, right? And to be like, yeah, you know, picks in this topic are, are good debates to have. And we should debate whether like one, building an exception to the treaty breaks the treaty. And I feel like one and C's would sort of like gesture a little bit towards both of those and never be clear as to which one they're defending. And I also don't think AFS really pointed it out, but I think like the exact set of offensive arguments that are applicable for both sides on, on that T debate really hinges a lot on whether the NEG's interpretation of like what the AFS should do uh, instead of specifying one is defend all or just defend most uh, generically speaking. And I think that was often just like not clear, like most one and C interrupts would just be like, can't spec subset. Like, all right, well, what can they do, you know? The one last thing I'll say about T-Debate is from what I heard from uh, from students, it seemed like judges and their interpretations of grammar and linguistics played an unusually big role in determining topicality debates. I remember a lot of the time our kids would come back and be like, our judge voted on autonomous is not equal to automated or is not equal to autonomy um, or things like that, uh, which is especially relevant for stuff like the Nukes apps, which are already playing pretty fast in this with topicality. Um, and I don't know like the actual distinction between a lot of these kind of precise words, but I think the fact that there were so many words that had no clear definition, lethal, autonomous weapon to some degree, meant that it was an unusually bad topic for judge intervention, which given the topic was 
people try to run to the fringes of the topic made a lot of these problems that we've talked about perhaps even more exacerbated. But I don't know if anyone else saw that. I'm interested to hear that it was so popular. I never saw it. Hmm. All right. Um, back to back to like substantive arguments. Um, I'm going to start with the Terra disad first because I thought the Terra DA was hot garbage um, because I don't think that any side really did anything about terrorism really like in, in either direction. It's just like maybe laws stop terrorists. Maybe the terrorists get laws like who knows. Um, but in, but I thought the Terra DA in particular was was, was worse than the Terra advantage um, because it was just like because almost always the part of the DA that would get forefronted is just like terrorists will inevitably acquire laws, which is like, all right, fine. And then the part that is like actually offense, which is like law is key to stop terrorists would always be like one line in the middle of a random card in the middle of the DA. And then they have like no reason to think that like laws are key. It's like, why? Like, why can't you just, why don't standard counter terror ops work? And like all of the, you know, people who are writing about laws think that like, oh, like terrorists getting hold of lethal times weapons, like, isn't really that scary. Most of it's going to be pretty rudimentary and like you can defeat it with like pretty simple non-autonomous defensive mechanisms, like even a net. Like there are so many articles about how like nets solve drone swarms in the context of like terrorism. I, I, I'm just kind of, I, I don't know why the terror DA was so popular. It just didn't seem very good to me. Um, I agree with all that. I had a similar impression. I feel like I saw this more often as turns to terror advantages, uh, but the same, same thing is equally true. Like the terror advantages were, I, I would call the advantage side okay. It's not like an advantage that I would, I would rank as like a top half advantage, but like the cards at least had warrants and said what they needed to. And then there would be these turns that are like the only way to stop a bad guy with a law is a good guy with a law. And it would just like say that and move on. And then I'd be like, all right, exactly like why and how? And I, I can never really explain like why LAW specifically would keep it by terrorists based on most of these. Yeah. Cards. And a lot of these cards are like the one card that has a line that perhaps suggests if squinting at that we should use laws to fight terrorism is by like John Yu and his pals, which like we'd think that maybe we'd have some problems citing John Yu's thoughts on terrorism, considering everything. Uh, but instead, people took that to be one AR should not answer the disad, but say citing John Yu is bad because he's a war criminal, and make that an independent voting issue, which is the opposite of what we should be doing, which is not making it a voting issue, but saying that that obviously ruins the credibility of the disad, which was already atrociously silly to begin with. Um, I think. People like gradually figured out that this this head was not that popular, but I remember like Harvard Westlake uh, around that time of that tournament. I remember seeing it in far far too many one season two in ours, and I thought it's good that it eventually got phased out. I voted on the John Yu is a war criminal argument, and it made me very sad. But it was entirely the Neg's fault because they put it at the very bottom of the two in R, which is not where you should put independent voting issues. And then they did not get to it, <laughs> and then the two AR was three minutes of it, and I was like, all right, fine. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I very much agree that like that is a very, very good epistemic argument against the DA and a very unpersuasive voting issue. All right, the repurpose counter plan. So I don't have any thoughts on this, but uh, what, what do you all got? I thought this was an underperformer. Uh, repurpose just means like use like don't use like like use laws to, for some specific purpose. I think the most popular version was the Book of Realm thing, which is like. Uh, countries, ex countries should develop domestic laws and then give them to Boko Haram to fight, or give them to Nigeria to fight Boko Haram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Terra Good Journal that benefit, a real, a real kicker. No. Um, but like, I thought this would have done a lot to leverage against some of the single country apps, because if you can't generate a real net benefit, you know, let's say you're hitting the like Cameroon law ban, you know, you, you don't, you don't got a Cameroon to decide because who would? You can be like, all right, they develop them, they give them to Nigeria. Because there's maybe questions of intrinsicness, which uh, is maybe a broader discussion for a different day. 
but I think it, it I think this would have done a really good job of fighting back against these apps that were just like weapon bad for X reason, but not bad to develop or have in general. And I think the only problem with them is that the specific versions were pretty bad. Like the Book of Rome stuff, I remember in particular was only like, you know, C plus, B minus kind of card quality. But I think this general strategy wasn't leveraged enough as it should have against these small Fs. And so people got scared and then lost. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty similar to what I was discussing with the, the China app is at least a decent portion of these apps had advantages that were just like, they'll be used in a bad way. Which isn't really a good reason to ban laws, especially when like the country doing the banning is the same country doing the using and could just use them for different purposes. Especially like I want to say that the Korea apps were particularly guilty of just like breaking an, an advantage of the week that was just solved by like two seconds of thinking and a five second counterplan text. Be like, Korea needs to ban laws, otherwise they'll like sell them in the Middle East. Twitch the next says counterplan, don't do that. And then the app says, All right, I'm going for the other advantage now. Like, why did you spend two minutes reading that advantage in your app if the correct answer is one sentence in the one and see it? I didn't get it, but it happened so much. And half the time, the neck didn't even read the, the obvious counterplan. Uh, like, all right, well, you have an advantage specific to like South Korea selling LAWs or China developing LAWs and then um, deploying them to like win a war in the South China Sea, to which the neck says, don't do the thing. And the app kicks the advantage and then why 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 did it happen in the first place i don't get it i don't know i don't have that many thoughts about other stuff on the negative the one thing that i hated the most was just like the amount of politics da's that were read on this topic like i to some extent i get it like fine politics is like is back like you know it's a thing now that like there's not a trump in office um but on the other hand like why like this a this topic just like what is the connection between an international treaty and like infrastructure politics um, on, on this topic? I really don't know. And B, like the impacts to every politics data just had to be smaller than whatever impact you could get off of a discussion about lethal autonomous weapons. Like why were you going for like less true DAs with even worse impacts? It's very unclear to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I judged a round on the DIPCAP DA for the Iran deal. And I was just like, yeah, wow, AF, you're getting like your shit kicked on card quality. The neg is like way ahead on like every one of these levels. And then at the end of the day, I like step back. I'm like, all right, well, the, I guess this disad now rises to the level of a tiebreaker or, or so forth. If, if the neg is just like, you know, maybe exactly even with the AF on the case debate, because it just seems if the AF says anything about relative magnitude and AF that affects like every nuclear dyad for the indefinite future, <laughs> even, even in the most minor of ways, that was one particular election potentially causing one scenario once. Like, I, don't, like, I don't know how, like, okay, you've won 100% risk your disad, it's, it's still tiny. Uh, it, it, it seems incredibly silly to go for something that minor. It's like going for like banning LAWs will make John you sad. Like, yeah, it's a disad, you can win a high risk of it, but it's not gonna be big enough. Yeah, and like the thing that was really confusing um, to me is just like how much, mental effort was expended by various teams into figuring out how to make these links work. And so sometimes we get like really weird. We'd be like, oh, like Mansion is like the head of like the drone caucus or whatever, like really likes drones or something, um, which I was like, this card does not actually really say anything about lethal autonomous weapons and whatever. And uh, but like my favorite one was the fact that everyone was reading this card that was like treaties cost PC um, because every app would spec themselves into a treaty. For what reason? I don't know. It's not like they were using them to leverage solvency arguments or whatever. They were just specking them as a treaty for fun. And the funniest part about that card that everyone was reading is that was a card I cut like four years ago when coaching Akshay at St. Mark's when we were hitting 
Ben Erdman, who was going to break a new app, and Ben Erdman, for some reason, disclosed the new app would have a treaty mechanism inside of it. And our best <laughs> answer was indeed politics. So I just got a card that was like, treaties cost PC. It was a horrible card. Just got like 10 minutes before the debate started. Um, and then I think uh, Akshay ended up winning on uh, like CO2 ag or something like that. Um, classic Harker. Uh, <laughs> but that card has never died. I think it has been read on like so many LD topics. It's just like treaties cost PC. And I don't think the cards is a thing. Like the card is just like sometimes like when you talk about treaties on the floor that like makes it so you can't talk about other things on the floor. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh that card is your fault? Yeah. I judge that card, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it is really awful. I, it was meant to be thrown, it was meant to be a one-off thing. Just like throw it into this one round against Ben Erdman before we beat him on impact turns. And all of a sudden now it's like the core link card on an entire topic for politics. And I'm just so sad. It should be that... an entire episode, our least favorite cards that everyone reads. Oh, it's not even There's close two... to my least favorite, but it, it is bad. Whole series. It is really bad. Um, I was even talking about it with some of the other Harker coaches. It was just like, politics is too small. The pick loses the solvency deficit. The app should beat these with like one card against the politics DA, a couple of smart analytics. That one card should just be impact defense just so you can get your the, inflate the so, relative size of your advantage and you should win every single time it should be like a 30 second 2ar but yeah that was the only other thing i had to complain about any other neg topic areas that y'all what were y'all thoughts on on the critique on this topic i didn't judge a lot of these debates ever since i put my paradigm that i didn't want to judge them uh but i from what i like remember seeing from the docs i was not particularly impressed it seemed like kind of the stock uh, stuff about IR and security and people trying to apply kind of structural race arguments where they didn't apply and that was kind of it. Yeah, the only thing that I found was weird is the amount of people that read Afro-pessimism against the China AF and were like, Andy Blackness is ontological in China. And I'd be like, what? Um, or India. What yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of just the the normal cases on every topic. Only topic-specific stuff I saw were some like, uh, like China against China AFs, like some like Orientalism, racism arguments about building China as a threat. That was basically it. Yeah, and I, those are not, if I had to pick a real argument against the China app, that would not even crack the top 10 for sure. Um, I voted for some K or other that was international relations E in nature. And that was mostly due to the app mishandling it, plus to me being persuaded that it was a good argument on the topic, but otherwise did not judge a whole lot of them. Yeah, it, just, it seemed like the quality of K ground was, not that high on this topic. So, and really have strong thoughts about it either way. I just don't suspect that many K authors are really in favor of the government <laughs> having killer robots. Really? No I way. Feel like that's <laughs> I think that's probably true. Oh, actually one other K I saw is I keep judging Marlboro and their, their negs just involve them. Like they want to read like an NC basically. Like, they seem to find a lot of literature that's just like a, a core NC. And then they just like, but we refuse to call it an NC. And so they package it in any other possible way. So like I've judged the like civilian casualties DA with the like Nagel impact saying until is wrong. <laughs> or the, there's some K about like banning LAWs is like not virtuous. <laughs> like, and, okay then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why we're going through hoops to like mispackage the arguments, but they, they had some like virtue ethics NC thing that was being... <laughs> It feels strange we've called them out in like four different ways, good and bad in this. <laughs> yeah, but by and large, I thought Marlboro was like, I had to pick a team that like did the best prep on this particular topic. I, I thought Marlboro had the best cards. Uh, and like these, these particular arguments I thought were also pretty fine. <laughs> this like 
put put them in a weird order in the one NC document and called them weird things. No, Mar- Marlboro was great. Like we were we were talking about this a little bit at the TOC. It was like very sad that Marlboro wasn't there. I mean, not only are their debaters like very solid, very strong, not only is their prep good, uh, but they also contribute like excellent judges to the pool. And more importantly, like every single one of them is just like a very nice and positive person, like makes debate better. Like I think if debate lost Marlboro, like we would all be worse off, like um, for sure. Uh, kind of regardless of where you fall in the ideological spectrum. All right. I mean, this is a long episode. We've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, but before we close off, are there any sort of like last minute topic takeaways? I know that Tyson in particular had a very strong thought about the way this topic played out. I just have one. I think it's come out a couple of different times. And I thought it was a very lazy topic kind of all around from everyone. I don't know if that has to do with things being online this year, a little bit more low energy. I think it has a lot to do with the nukes topic being last year, people just ripping a lot of stuff that still applied, even like the big categories of arguments, China, India, Pakistan, all just kind of ripped from last year. Some of that I think is laziness. And some of it I think is it was a mistake to have two arms control topics back to back years, kind of made some of that inevitable and very, they're different, but they're both fundamentally international arms control topics and a lot of the issues overlap. Um, I think it is probably an issue that basically every foreign policy topic we have is about weapons or war or terrorism and nothing else. I think there's probably more we could discuss. I I don't want to blame it solely on laziness. Like, I think, you know, one thing that stood out to me, for instance, is just like, a, the, the, the topic was huge, not because it had to be, just because people decided to make it that way. And so, you know, coaches during tournaments were staying up late, just like producing huge files and debaters, um, you know, were, were also kind of stressed trying to deal with the prep load and manage that. And then during the week, you know, you'd be kind of bogged down with schoolwork and whatnot and probably not do that much prep. And so the only prep you'd roll into with the next weekend is the stuff that you'd done during the tournament, which is like probably not very good. It's unorganized. It's, you know, could obviously get updated and, but because you were going to a tournament functionally every week, there was just never a weekend that you could you know, have off to, to prep. And I think that like that was actually hurting um, the overall quality and quantity of prep that was being done. Um, and so that even if the number of hours that debaters were spending on debate this season versus last was about the same, I think they were spending it in totally different ways. I think they were spending it mostly just like debating and not enough time just like sitting down and cutting cards, especially since like it's just mentally a lot easier to just gravitate towards what you already know. Um, I also think a thing that happened a lot was like someone will break some weird new AF and then the, the team hitting it will cut like a one and done strategy against it. And then the next team, the next weekend from some other school needs a stat for that AF. It's going to steal a thing that was meant to be the one and done. Like I was talking about the, the China app, for example, how much I disliked it. I disliked the negs to China even more. And it just felt like every single one and C had like the same three or four like terrible arguments that seemed to have been stolen from the last one and see from some other school versus the China app. And that that was a bit unfortunate. And I mean, to some degree, like I, I get it, you can't cut a new strat versus every every app. But you also need to like check the things you're taking from the wiki for like quality of cards. Like the number of times where I was just like, this PLA decide does not have a real link card. <laughs> I can't vote on it was, was really high. <laughs> and people kept taking in the, that decide and reading it in new rounds. And like, I would at least scrutinize those cards to see whether they're good cards before taking them. I agree with that a lot. I think some of that's necessitated by the fact that it was an international topic. The same thing actually happened with the Overwatch thing, which Harker prepped for CPS and then ended up in NDCA Elims, which is like absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But both nukes, this and the voting topic and September, October all being international, I thought like maybe 
gave people some bad habits in terms of like what we're doing in terms of like running to the margins with AFs and like stealing bad topic specific politics arguments on the negative. And so I think in the context of the jobs guarantee topic, I didn't like laws as much. Uh, but I probably would have been pretty okay with it if it had been in place of nukes or something, because I think it was a, overall like a pretty strong topic, strong literature base, just too much arms control, too much international. Let's cool it, have a domestic topic, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoy doing the research on this for camp. I've I've talked about this in some of my classes um, about how new technology uh, affects uh, stability between countries. Um, and it's even been applicable on the uh, college policy topic because a lot of impacts now are, are around lethal autonomous weapon development. In fact, a lot of uh, DML cards um, manage to seep their way from policy into LD and vice versa, which is kind of funny. Yeah, so I like the topic in theory. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of how it played out. Could have been better, could have been worse. I don't know. Compared to nukes, what did y'all think? Um, it was a little bit better than nukes just because... I think at least slightly fewer of the, the good arguments got sculled by bad fiat stuff. Like the, again, I thought like the, the best nukes arguments on the neg were almost untouched, like security dilemma type stuff. And everyone raced to the, the bioterror DA that was not a real DA instead. Whereas this topic, I think people were at least a little bit more willing to touch circumvention debates and attempt to go for them. And some of the best rounds I judged were the rounds for the neg, just talk about circumvention for a while. And we had a nice debate about that. I saw more of those debates on this topic than on the nukes topic. Well, Quentin, you you made a thumbs down motion in the in the Zoom. You think it's worse than nukes? I just I just I mean I only debated the nukes topic once, but oh, I loved it so much. Uh, it was just, I thought it was a lot of fun. Whereas this topic is less fun, which I know is like really an argument, but yeah, fair. Got, this topic got stale quick. Yeah, I also prefer nukes. I think um, Jacob, I didn't have quite as much problem with those things being sidelined. It was just because of the stuff my team was doing, like we did a lot of that stuff. Maybe that changes my perception. I also thought the apps were a little bit more creative and interesting. I feel like I judged the same four things over and over again on this topic and saw the same four things. Uh, and there was at least, you know, more interesting critical stuff that wasn't like completely not topical on the nukes topic, uh, it was still relevant. Um, some of the country apps were also just a little bit more real in the discourse, like India, Pakistan, disarming is not like a real thing, but discussions of that dyad being dangerous was much more of a real concern in the literature. So it just felt more tangible and less made up, even when the args were bad. I do think y'all had some of the better stuff on the nukes topic, I will say that. So maybe if you're looking at your own kids prep, then that, that was gonna skew the results. <laughs> Meanwhile, every Lex kid I judge on this topic, reading the Poseidon app and the content seal, like, ugh. Yeah, I'm not gonna say, say the same thing for this topic. I'm sorry, Lexington's prep for this topic was not, not stellar. Uh, <laughs> <no> <laughs> No comment. All right, cool. Um, this is a long episode, but lots of good stuff. Um, so when we come back, we'll do our conclusion segment. Okay, that's our episode. Uh, hopefully this was helpful, enjoyable, um, educational, maybe, as you think through the topic and reflect on it. Um, I think the reflections are cool just because, you know, you get a chance to think about the topic in, in a new light, but also because I think it informs how you should think about future topics and how you can take lessons learned from this particular topic and translate that into better strategy, better preparation, and better execution um, in future topics. And speaking of future topics, um, I think the time has already passed, but, um, you know, 
Until May 4th. Until May 4th. Oh, okay. Uh, to submit new LD topics. Um, I'll try to get this edited in time for that. Um, but if you uh, have ideas for LD topics, please make sure to submit them. It's your submissions that drive the topics for next season. So if we have bad topics, you can just only blame yourself and maybe the topic committee, depending on um, <laughs> what happens. Uh, all right. Remember to submit your episode suggestions um, to our uh, and mailbag questions uh, or feedback with us at the forum that's linked below in the description. Um, thanks again to Victor Briefs for sponsoring this episode. And remember to check them out at victorbriefs.com. Now, our recommendation for this week is a little bit different. Usually we recommend something like media or podcast or whatever, um, but a new article has come out on debate musings, which is a um, website run by uh, Lincoln Garrett, who's the head coach at uh, the University of Kentucky. One of his debaters, Anthony Trufinov, has published an article called uh, Rehabilitating Intrinsicness, Redux. Um, and we've already had a relatively long intrinsicness discussion on this episode before, but I definitely think it's uh, worth reading this article because I think there's not that many articles about intrinsicness out there. And uh, Truth is, I think, a, a very strong influence in college policy debate, which inevitably spills down into trends in LD debate. And definitely, I think, worth reading it, even if you totally disagree, uh, just to get an idea of how to think about debate a little bit differently and, and how to think about uh, emerging trends. I read the article. I thought it was really good. Um, Nails has read the article and even had a mini debate with the author um, uh, about it. So does anyone want to, A, kind of explain what the article is? And Nails, do you want to explain then what your um, what your disagreement with the author is? So in, in trending, this is basically, I would describe it as like the aft flip side to counter plans, where if the neg produces some, say, DA to the affirmative, the AF points out that there's some way to solve that DA other than just simply not doing the plan. Uh, so for example, uh, I think it, an argument from the nukes topic that was very susceptible to this was the bioweapons disadvantage, uh, at least one of the two versions. And on the nukes topic, one version of the bioweapons they said is like, we need nukes to deter bioweapons. That's a totally legitimate dissent. The one that everyone read instead was like, countries need to keep their nukes because if they get rid of their nukes, then they'll just like decide to develop bioweapons. To which the correct app answer would be something like, all right, well, let, let's just ban nukes and also ban bioweapons or otherwise just not develop bioweapons. And that'd be an example of an intrinsicness argument. You're saying on, on top of just passing the ban nukes plan, we could do an additional thing to solve insert dissent, that sort of thing. Um, and so yeah, he, uh, he wrote an article defending this. So I think common debate assumption is that the app can't make any intrinsicness arguments like counter plans are just the purview of the negative. And his argument is basically saying they have to be able to make that test. I, I had some, I, I think it's by and large correct. Like I think the article is very good. Most of the arguments are, are definitely on base. Uh, I was just, he was a little too half-hearted. He built in a few little like caveats, like, well, don't let them generate offense on it and stuff like that, that still make it uh, a little, little bit too, too weak-willed for my liking. I, th I thought he should have gone further and just said, yeah, sure, half intrinsic is exactly reciprocal to the negative's ability to fiat counter plans and so forth and not uh, balked and just going all the way and accepting that half and yet should be reciprocal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good article. I mean, uh, Quentin, I, I have a feeling that you do not agree with the article. Um, <laughs> do you have any reasons why? Still developing my thoughts, but my view that I hold right now is I, I, I kind of take part of Trufinov's view and part of Mr. Nails's view, which is that I agree with Trufinov that it probably doesn't make sense from a logical policymaking or decision-making perspective to be able to include what Truth Enough calls minor repairs is in the form of intrinsicness to the affirmative to generate new offense. But I agree with Nails that the differentiation between a minor repair that tests the sufficiency, or sorry, the necessity of a disadvantages link versus one that generates unique offense for the affirmative is probably non-existent, in which case I think that the remedy should be not giving the affirmative intrinsicness. But I'm not like super decided on that. That's just kind of my gut thought. 
Yeah, plus I, I believe Tyson Nails had like a pretty long duke over this um, back like a year ago on this podcast. I don't know. Have, have your thoughts changed any since then? I'm, um, first of all, I haven't read this article, so I don't know. Second, I don't quite remember what I was what I what I said back then either. <laughs> so I'd have to go back and re-listen to my own thoughts and see see exactly what they were. I honestly haven't thought too deeply. It has come up in precisely zero debates since we had that discussion. That's fair. Uh, definitely, definitely an article worth reading. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a deeper discussion about this at some point in time, but I'm pretty sure this episode is already pushing on the two-hour limit, which is, um, you know, a lot. So uh, I think we'll call it good there. So thanks for coming on, Quentin. Uh, and I don't know, how do we usually conclude these episodes? I'm just saying, like, bye, everyone. <laughs>